0: You're listening to the Perth Property Show, Australia's only weekly property podcast by West Australian experts for West Australian listeners. Catch your latest episode every Monday at 7am. Good morning, everyone. Welcome to the Perth Property Show. Trent Fleskins here, your host as always and what a massive celebration it is today not at any point in time in 2018 on the 2nd of December when I had my main man Brendan Ptolemy in the room on our first ever episode wondering what is this where is it going to go did we ever imagine Brendan that 4 years down the track we would get to episode 200 thank you so much for being a part of it and it could only have been you how romantic
1: is that oh fantastic it's just uh, what a coincidence that I'm here for the turn of the show thanks for the invite mate unbelievable when I asked you that date I just couldn't believe that it is four
0: years ago that's amazing I think today what we do is we spend the time going through not only celebrating what's happened over the last four years in the podcast who we've gotten on the great guests we've had on the topics we've spoken about but more importantly where the market's gone the journey the market has been on in the last four years and how we've as a society ridden that wave through COVID through the Haynes Royal Banking Review through increases in building standards increases in building costs Yep. and how the market has reacted to all of that. So, for the first time ever in 200 episodes, I am going to hand the reins over today yeah. to the only man I would trust to do so. And I cannot say, if, again, uh, as always, you are going to host this episode, yeah. Brendan Ptolemy. Thank you so excited. much. Go for yeah. it. I've waited all my life to do this, mate. So, um, <laughs> You've got the stage. Um, no, I really appreciate that and,
1: and your trust in terms of having me in here, mate. The other thing that you missed there was just the the building grant. So, covid affecting our economy, who would have thought that the last four years that we would have some of the most tumultuous events in the property market that we've ever seen so that's been pretty crazy and, and really really happy that you've been here to document that along the way and you should be commended in terms of starting the podcast number one having the vision to do that and then also the way that you've made it track in terms of tracking individual suburbs tracking the whole market and then also getting on some fantastic guests as well
0: thanks brendan yeah it has it has been such a journey when i think back i've had to have a, have a look at who we've had on and i'm sure you'll talk to him today but It's only gone from strength to strength, hasn't it? We've had so many great suburb spotlights. We've had some big players in the industry. We've had some really small players as well who are stuck in their little niche, but who all have some really important things to say. And you're right. Back in 2018, the name of the first episode was is Perth on the way up, question mark? The two of us were postulating where the world was at, the segments of the market that had green shoots and the segments of the market that were still knackered. And I was sitting there saying, guys, trust us, we believe the market will go up. And I think a quote you said, in an early stage on the regional market was, this is the bottom of the market. In 2018, yeah. this is the bottom of the market in crafter buy a property. Yeah, yeah. And geez, and imagine if people listen to you. Yeah, well, exactly, it'd, it'd be really interesting and maybe you'll get
1: some feedback about whether people have listened to some of our tips along the way. Clearly, we're we're not giving out financial advice, but if we go back and have a look at what we said about Perth Metro and those regional areas back in 2018, we're encouraging people to to go and buy property. Mm. We were pretty confident, we're very confident that we're at the bottom of the market and that we're going to move up from there, subject to a few factors, but... We can look at hindsight, we can see some REWIS stats that say that essentially we were correct over that period of time.
0: Well, what we could see also was we're going through the Haynes review on the mortgage-broking banking side as well, seeing that things were going to have to loosen up too. And that was a big factor. The first factor there was in 2019 when the banks finally loosened the purse strings after APRA let them on the floor for their assessment rates. HEM was being assessed a bit differently as well. You know, we look at COVID and the impact that had. Yep. I think back in 2018, 2019, we were fixing interest rates at four and a bit percent and saying it can't get any lower.
1: That's a fantastic comparison to get at the minute in terms of what a standard variable or discounted standard variable would be now compared to what those rates were back then. What's about that now, isn't it? Exactly. And the, the storm that we see around them the media at the moment in terms of cost of borrowing. Clearly, things have changed as in they've bottomed out and come back up, but there's some pretty dramatic events that cause that as well.
0: When I think about that mindset, you know, I'd love everyone to go back and listen to a few of those early episodes with Sam Carello, for example, talking about mortgages and how we were confident that a 4% rate was was a pretty good rate at the time. And that was with prices that were maybe 15 20% lower at the time than than they are now cuz obviously they dropped a bit more in 2019 and then they've come back up and when you think about an interest rate of 4% when we're at that now, again, we shouldn't be complaining. This is a normal normal situation that we're back at. We probably expect another half percent, maybe a little bit more in the market to come and we should be embracing that. It means that the world is uh, pretty hot with regards to demand. There's still a lot of cash around.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. And certainly, I know we've said this recently, but we just need to mention it again, that the, the press that sits around those Sydney home prices, the Melbourne home prices and and definitely Brisbane's on the way back down at the moment too certainly that press just doesn't need to apply to the Perth and WA market unfortunately just last Saturday the the front page of the paper is you know 10% drop in yeah, house thanks prices for that, Governor. and then you um you read into that article and it's a, it's a nationally based statistic that really doesn't apply to to WA so it's still disappointing that we're running those stories when um our market in terms of the activity out there at this very point in time uh, is as good as it was this time last year and values are That's higher than they were this time last year.
0: Yeah, we look at the weekly stats and sometimes I'll see it go from 950 down to 860 transactions a week. And I go, oh, I wonder if the market may be softening a little bit. And then i look at what it was this week last year and it was within like 10 transactions. It was pretty yeah. much the same, right? Have You got something
1: there? Yeah. Total for last week's sales is in week ending 18th of September. According to Rewa, 861. Four weeks ago, 893. How's this? Same week last year,
0: 863. There so go, two right? sales difference year on year. That's ridiculous. And you know what? It's been like that nearly every week. Yep. where. Uh, we're actually you know we're, in, we're still in a bit of a winter market right now and I look forward to the spring sun starting to come out it has the last couple of days luckily yeah it's been a great long weekend but we think about that seasonality as well and yes yeah, we need to look back annually at where we were. Our market has exactly the same dynamics as it did last year, and that's all we need to focus on. Yep,
1: and the scary bit, the, just to put it up front, is that the liquidity is different. Okay, yes. we, we, we completely understand that, but it's not different fundamentally in terms of a historical comparison in terms of the cost of that liquidity. So we're still at a historic low in terms of interest rates and creating liquidity in our market which will drive the affordability of people to go and transact.
0: You know what's the difference between now and four years ago? It's not the interest rates. They're the same now. Yep. It's the amount of equity we have in our properties. Yep. Yeah, people, yeah. people four years ago couldn't actually get out of first gear because they didn't have any equity. Yep. They lost it all. Now they've got it. They can make investment decisions if they want to now.
1: Yeah. And people in decent suburbs uh, close to Perth will have created some really decent equity. In particular, from just paying their mortgage mm. in addition to the fact that home values have gone up?
0: Four years ago, I was 28. I'm now 32. Wow. And, and just married? Just married a couple of weeks ago. It was a fantastic event. And it yep. uh, makes you think about the priorities in your life, right? And we start thinking about Simone and I buying a family home. And off air, we were talking about how the most tax-effective investment you can ever make in your life is the family home. You can go and absolutely stretch yourself to the hilt on something that you can enjoy, make sure you can afford to pay that mortgage of course. But one day in 20, 30 years time, That million dollar house that might be worth two and a half, three million dollars by that point in time based on just the way that the world works with capitalism, all that profit is tax-free. Yes. Isn't that interesting? Uh, It is
1: pretty crazy, in in particular in the way that people chase profits in other financial sectors, so whether it's stock market or bonds or crypto or whatever you're trying to do, Mm. there is always tax on any of those money-making propositions and still it's pretty unique in Australia that the principal place of residence is tax-free and how you can maximize or utilize that profit that you make is is always a good question and, and what risk um, people are, are prepared to take. So motivation for starting the pod. You're sitting around obviously four years ago, had the business going. What was the motivation to get the pod up and going?
0: For me, I'd grown up as a guy in his early 20s, always looking to learn about property, right? It wasn't my job. I did Property wasn't actually a career of mine until my mid-20s. However, I always loved it. I loved the industriousness of it, the fact you could see it and build it. But the thing that always let me down in Perth is that the only people you could learn from were people trying to sell you something and most of them were coming from the East Coast trying to sell you really dodgy education packages. There are companies out there that are unfortunately still operating today. Luckily, not coming over to Perth that often anymore. COVID helped that. But also, I hope this podcast has helped fill that vacuum. And the point was, I'm sick and tired of these spruikers coming across, selling their house and land packages, selling their education programs to unknowing, First generation, normally Australians, they give away a tiny amount of information that's generally available online and then yep. hit you with some $10,000 education program. The Hilton, the, the Langley, the Novotel, all these places in these you know these meeting rooms, right? Yep. You'll be there on a Tuesday night at 7 o'clock. You ever been to anyone those, Brendan, back in the day? Not paid for. No. Uh, well, well, they're all free, by yeah, the way. All, yeah, these, yeah. all these seminars are free, right? And yep. they're all in the guise of helping give away free information. Nothing's free, right? Yep. The cool thing about this podcast is it is actually free. The yeah. whole point of it is <laughs> I wanted to start this thing. I didn't know whether it would last one episode or 10 episodes or 20. I didn't know if anyone would come on. Yep. But you know we're 200 episodes down now and, and some fantastic people have come on giving away such amazing information. And the whole point of it was, was to fill that vacuum. If we could give enough information to West Australians that was useful enough then they wouldn't bother going to those free seminars that they get sold at. Yep. And to this day, we are still ad-free. We've not made a cent off it. There's no marketing. Brendan told me doesn't pay to be on here. I don't pay you. No one gets paid here, yep. right? We're just trying to do a good thing. And if in a job like property where it can be very transactional, it can be very adversarial, yep. you can make a lot of money. You can lose a lot of money. Yep. If we can have this one thing where I can do it on a weekly basis and give back. This is my service to the community. Uh, Obviously, we provide a lot of services that we're paid for, this is one of those things where I can go, you know what, I'm doing a good thing. Yeah. And, yeah, yeah. Uh, ho- you know, hopefully that's, it looks like it's it's making a difference. Yeah.
1: And certainly uh, the hardest thing for most consumers out there in property is is who do you trust? Mm. And certainly, hopefully they've found their way through some of the information that you've been able to provide. Now, if I, I kind of go to the story of how I ended up on here, I think I, I did a presentation, often do market presentations to bankers and brokers and builders and that kind of stuff and i think you approached me after one of those gigs i and- bet
0: you were thinking who is this kid yeah. <laughs>
1: that's about exactly what i was thinking <laughs> yeah. um and you always get approached after being a valuer with a with the half decent brand here and todd white we do you know a, f- a fair number of the valuations for finance around town every single day well, You're arm's week. length you know yep. everyone knows if you're a valuer there's no agenda yeah yep so, we're giving the bank the most honest answer that we can and I'll always get approached by a banker or a broker who we've probably upset in one, some way. So, yes. their, their customer <laughs> hasn't got the outcome that they thought they'd get. The yeah. estimate was high and the value was low. So, I'm always a little bit wary about who comes up after I've gotten off stage, always very welcoming. And so, yeah, you you bowled up and you're telling me that you're going to make a podcast and I'm like, just going, who the hell is this guy? Yeah, yeah. Um, obviously, went and Googled you and worked out what was going on and... You know, from our point of view, um, we're attaching our brand to, to yours. And so we, we'd be a bit skeptical about that. And, and clearly, uh, what appeals from our point of view is is that trust and that honesty in terms of, again, we don't sell anything in our business. Um, we're, we're a bit weird in the world of property. So we're coming from a pretty similar point of view. We sell our product essentially to the bank or our services to the banks. And so it, it lined up in terms of being able to come at this from the, the same honest point of view so from there in terms of setting up the motivation did you have a goal as to you know podcast list download numbers and listener mm. numbers
0: not really I didn't know what was something that hit a critical mass we never really knew right in our first episodes we were getting a hundred people a week and because obviously you start from nothing we've never spent a cent on advertising we've never done anything other than word of mouth and we've yep. always only ever as it still says at the front of every episode this podcast is for west australians yeah, right yep. you know what the ironic thing is now half of our listenership is from the east coast really yeah and yeah. we've never we've never marketed to anyone on the east coast yep we've had one uh, Sanjeev Saar, we've had one guest from Sydney. Yep. Uh, and, and he's a you know, fantastic guy that's come in and talked about their perspective of the Perth market from a buyer's agent's perspective. But other than that, it's interesting yep. how it's a, it's a really cool stat. And I, I think we've said this before, but a year and a half ago, 10% of our listenership was from the East Coast. Yes. Now it's half. And wow. what to me that demonstrates is a really awesome statistic that people should be taking note of, is it demonstrates it's a proxy for the interest the East Coast has in the Perth market. Yep. Right. If they weren't interested in Perth property, which they certainly were not interested in four years ago. Yeah, yeah. No one was interested in Perth property four years ago from the East Coast yep. because they were doing so well. Half of our listenership now is from the east coast. Yeah, right? that's and, amazing, and that actually lines up perfectly with some of the big agents we speak to on a daily basis. Shane Beaumont, Mike Jessel, and these guys will say often. Last week, Shane said to me, Trent, more than half of our buyers now from the east coast.
1: Yeah, yeah, it's a it's pretty amazing, and we're seeing a lot of that in the contracts of sale that we see through the the mortgage process or mortgage finance process. Uh, and the, most importantly, they're buying in regional WA as in as well as in Perth Metro, mm. which I'm not sure that they've done a lot of that in the past. In 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 previous cycles. But, Um, you know,
0: welcome. Welcome to everyone listening that's not from Perth. (laughs) This podcast is for West Australians. It always will be, but it is certainly not exclusive to West Australians. If you wanted to take the time to learn from us and understand the West Australian market you're more than welcome to. Yeah,
1: and hopefully they've picked up on our discussion around population growth in the past. We've got an economy that is is still going very strongly over here. Yeah, come join us. We we absolutely need people to move to Perth and there is some supply issues in terms of coming into the market, but the population stats that were just released in the last couple of days show positive migration to WA, so there's certainly a trend happening there and you could do a lot worse than cashing out of Sydney, Melbourne and Brisbane at the moment and moving into WA. To
0: round that, off to answer your question, we're now sitting up above a couple hundred thousand listeners. Yeah, that's amazing. Yeah. Oh, well done and congratulations on that. That's that's it's, just absolutely awesome. You know, it's fulfilling in a way that it just it means that the people we get on are certainly interesting, but also they're trusted yep. and they're giving the right information. And and the cool thing is, a uh, people ask me. Why do you get that person on? How do you know who you're going to get on next? Yep. Or do you never run out of, of ideas? Or yeah, maybe, yeah. And the answer is no, because we get so many suggestions. Yep. A few weeks ago, we had some guy that we've never met personally would just say, hey, when are you going to get that legend Brendan told me back on, right? <laughs> and yeah. that makes me, oh, geez, I need to give Brendan a call and we'll get him on. And yeah. obviously, you can't. And that happens uh, uh, often a lot of the ideas I get of how what who we get in. It very much centers around what I personally want to learn. Yeah. So if you you look back through the last couple hundred episodes, I think there's a pretty obvious progression from talking about triplexes and basic subdivisions to then we start talking about apartment development, then we start talking about childcare development and commercial development and land development. It wouldn't take a very intelligent person to recognize that that has followed the interests that I've got in property development and my own personal development progress as well.
1: Yeah, so you've taken the listeners on your journey through here as well. Pretty much, yeah. Yeah, if you're listening close enough, then you should be taking down some notes as to um, Trent's pathway through property life. Yeah. Yeah. So in terms of those guests, you've had some amazing heavy hitters. And I I remember being really pleasantly surprised when you start telling me that people like Rita Safiotti are coming on, Paul Blackburn, Kath Hart, Tanya Steinbeck, all of the agents that you've engaged with in in doing suburb profiles. We've had over
0: 100 suburb spotlights. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
1: So firstly on, on guests, what's been the most kind of rewarding discussion I know you don't want to kind of name favorites or anything, but mm. in terms of those high-profile guests coming on?
0: Well, getting the planning minister in, Ria yeah. Safiotti, and I ran into her at Restore a couple of weeks ago and, and I said, do you want to come on again? She said, yeah, book a time. That's so awesome. she's certainly interested in coming, on, coming in again. Getting her perspectives on... Where median density is, and the median density code that's supposed to be coming out a year ago, and probably next year or the year after, who knows? Yeah, talking about the difference in her perspective between infill and expansion, and where that sits, the balance, uh, MetroNet, and uh, she is just hell bent on getting MetroNet. That's her legacy, yep. I think through right and if you're looking at property and planning you want to be future proofing yourself listen to that episode regards to where she sees planning upscaling going it's all going to be around the train station yeah yeah. so that's pretty easy one probably the biggest fish we've had outside of Rita Safiyoti was certainly a few weeks ago Paul Blackburn I mean yep. that guy is probably I would say the most successful developer we've seen in the last 10 years yep. he, he hasn't put a foot wrong in development often you do well six, seven, eight, nine times and then you'll lose one on, on the 10th one yep. he hasn't he just has gone from strength to strength and he's making huge legacy outcomes in Perth where his brand now is essentially if he's doing something you know it, it's going to be good yep. and you know he'll get the money you know he'll sell it out imagine building a business like that so yep. that's someone i've looked up to from a professional point of view for a long time to finally get him on it took about three years Brendan. really yeah he's Far always re- he's always replied yep. he's always been very courteous but it yep. took three years until we actually got evan campbell on who was another yep. very successful property person in wa he used to be the ceo of Mervat a few years ago he's a an advisor to paul and it wasn't until i got evan on that paul listened to evan and went oh geez that's a good podcast yeah, yeah I'll, I'll be happy going on that yeah that's great it's sort of snowballs like that yep. but, yeah but you know. Yeah. W- w- some of the you know, obviously i love having you on we get some fantastic conversation people just love the chat as well yep. as the data and again you've never put a foot wrong brendan dylan camby who's no longer at rewa but he was the analyst at rewa yep. uh, giving some awesome stats about that yeah yeah and then just do the smallest things man we've had podcasts about home theater technology yeah about solar technology uh sustainable landscaping air conditioning yep interior design property staging as I said, we've had a hundred different suburbs. For everyone listening from the East Coast especially, if you want to learn about a suburb that you're thinking about buying into, yeah, that's we've great. probably yep. done a spotlight on it. Yep. Uh, search in the keywords for the suburb you're looking for. We've probably spent half an hour talking to the number one agent in that suburb talking about it.
1: Yeah, calling out some of those, in particular the the property-specific podcast too just to go back and um, one that I was it's it's recent but to go back a, a few weeks ago this sustainable design and construction from uh, Dave Minot mm. was really good just um, it
0: was really well received lots of listens yeah that. Yep.
1: loved that and interesting watching his from my point of view as a valuer we've got a challenge in terms of how you value that product and, and whether it's acceptable in our marketplace is it worth the money you spend on it exactly and hearing him talk through it it's a really good educational piece from our point of view back to the simple things like aircon and staging and that kind of thing so yeah go seek those past podcasts out because they're still relevant and then yeah i wanted to ask you about the suburb ones so Mm -hmm. what do you think your kind of most dynamic or effective suburb spotlight was where you kind of sat there and went oh hang on i'd never thought about that suburb in that way or have I missed that suburb or a little kind of light bulb moment?
0: Yeah, I think the the Mm. best ones are the ones where for me, obviously, I'm most interested in the subdivision opportunities and the development opportunities. Yep. I'm a big fan of a lot of the ones we did up in the city of up because they were quite pertinent at the time. If yep. I was looking in those suburbs, again, the suburb spotlight we've gotten on, it's based on the suburbs I'm interested in buying in yep. at the time, right? Yep. And that's where most of our buying is development-based. So, a lot of those ones, for example, Dun Craig, we had uh, Marcia Burke there, John Tomkinson did Warwick, uh, talking about suburbs, Redman Howe in Mullaloo, these sort of suburbs are really interesting. I've always loved talking about Morley, it's my favorite suburb in Perth. I grew up there, yeah, there's lots of development opportunities there. And and then we've spoken about so many western suburbs, suburbs as well, which are always super interesting just from a capital growth point of view. We've spoken about Netherlands, we've spoken about Dalkeith, we've spoken about Cottesloe, Swanbourne, uh, all these suburbs that. Maybe don't get a whole lot to- spoken about them in detail because not a lot of people are speaking about them. Everyone likes to keep their cards close to their chest there. Yep. But to get all that information from people who are outside yep. looking in has been good. The Canning Bridge Precinct plan was really interesting to learn about Apple Cross and Mount Pleasant and yep. Como these areas, because there's still so much opportunity in those areas yeah, as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, talking to Colin Gandini about why, for example, what's your issues in Apple Cross? And I've said this before, her issue is not she hasn't got the buyers, it's that she hasn't got the sellers. Yes. Yeah, yeah. All right? So, the money's there, it's just the properties that they would pay overs for aren't being brought to market yep. because everyone that's in a good property is happy where they are. They don't yep. want to sell. And they've got no one on. to move
2: to. Yeah, yeah. Um, yep.
0: So, those have been awesome as well. And if I can also give a really good shout out to Carlo Bordi, who's been fantastic. Yes. I'm sure maybe you'll bring it up as well. And Sam Carello. was yeah. Carlo with the tax side. Tax is dry, Brendo. Yeah. It's really hard <laughs> to get through. But the amount of answers that are provided in Carlo's episodes, anything you need to know about property tax and all those quirky questions from capital gains tax to interest expense to depreciation to what happens if I buy this, subdivide this, live in this one, sell that one, I time it that way, I wait 12 months. Yeah, You know, all these things, all the answers are there. Look yeah, up yeah. Carlo in the search engines and you'll find all the tax stuff that you need to and this is nationally relevant right yep. not just WA. And then Sam Crowley man we've had the top mortgage broker in Perth for the last 4 years yep. giving his information on the on the finance broking market too. So yeah, yeah. all that it's really cool to hear the story from the he, the first time he came on to to now about where the rates have been yep. and the I guess the recommendations for a long time it was fixed. Yes. And now we're back to variable again. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, Yeah.
1: and and, uh, amazing journey. And I'm just thinking out loud, but having been able to document that now, Mm -hmm. even you and I just sitting here preparing for this, being able to look back and hear what we said, I'm finding that that's pretty unique in terms of, you know, I've been doing presentations about the market for years and years and years longer than I care to remember actually and that's usually live to a room and these days people all have their camera on and maybe record the bit they're interested in or whatever but you don't spend a lot of time going back specifically to a date four years ago and go right were we right and thank god we're sitting here going yeah we were pretty right about what we said well very right about what we said back then Mm. but then being able to do that the same in terms of potentially giving people some comfort about making future decisions based on reviewing what was happening in the past. Like You think about that with interest rates at the moment. It's a really good point to go back and see where we were.
0: Yeah, think about where our heads were at when we were talking about interest rates back in 2018, 2019 yeah. and how normal that, those numbers were. Yep. You know, we, we went back in 2019. We were... Absolutely loving the fact we're at 4% because it wasn't that long ago before that, that we're at six and a half, seven and a half percent. Yeah. People were paying nines back in 2007. Yeah. Right. So we're looking at four going, mate, this is just fantastic. This is unbelievable. Because we remember we were paying three grand for our mortgage on our 400,000, and then it went back to 1500. Yeah. And now it's at two. Yeah. Yeah. Relax. Yeah. You know? So to to think back and actually have an an almanac of all that data. Is yeah, it's right. You're right. It's really cool. Yeah, uh, and relax
1: is a really good word at the moment because everyone does seem to be really stressed about it, and mainly because of the the again, I hate harping on about it, but the press being driven out of the east coast and mm. their obsession with hassling the hell out of the RBA and their next rate decision means that it, it gives a pretty negative influence across decision making and risk profiling for our customers or our marketplace here in in Perth and broader WA. So in terms of probably best property opportunity, you might might have seen through that period of time? Is there something that someone's come on and said or done where you've got, again, kind of that aha moment? Mm. You know, you you discuss, uh, you come back to that Paul Blackburn discussion and you see what he's done with being able to push approvals as in numbers of apartments on his sites to the the highest degree. Mm. And then the risk that he, the profile that he's had is unbelievable and and you have to give him massive credit for that and and his team that have worked through that process. Obviously he's been able to nail down finance because you can't do any of this without finance. And then to jump through the hoops of the planning laws and my offices in Subiaco, I can see one Subiaco finishing off at the minute. It looks amazing. The streetscape starting to be revealed from behind the scaffold. That looks amazing. That site sat there for ten years while the council argued with everybody about And I just cannot help but look out the window now, having been through a couple of cycles. Our office has been in Subiaco for 10 years and watching shops close, cafes go broke, people walk away in frustration, developments being declined, Subiaco Oval and the football walk away. You look at this as, as the bright shining light that will bring population to the, the location.
0: Well, it tells a story really, I think, a theme in that the one thing Paul's gotten right, I think, over and above everything else, other, site selection is most important. But the other thing is that he's focused on quality and up before costs. Yep. And I, I think when you, you can scale that all the way down to a triplex, if you focus on creating an, a product that's better than anyone else's in that area, rather than focus on the bottom line and chipping away at costs, which therefore chips away at quality. Yep. Um, you'll protect the one thing that can kill you and that's sales. If yep. you can't get sales, then that profit stays on the paper and it gets worse and worse as interest erodes it over time. So he's focused on building quality before and size as well, rather than fitting quality over quantity, if I should put it that way. Is yep. He built less of them at a higher quality. And it's the same thing that you can bring all the way down to uh, a triplex level and and that's what's changed your question was what's what's been great uh, picks over the years well certainly being able to transform that pro- that property that he paid 25 26 million dollars for something like that at the time and bring that right back down to the opportunities that there were at the time over the last four years there was you know, things changed your opportunity isn't always going to be the same throughout the cycle so but on 2018 1920 you could essentially buy a property in Warwick for 500 grand, yep. know you were gonna get it for that, and then know you're gonna be able to build a triplex for 600 grand, have $100,000-ish in associated costs, so now yep. you're at 1.2, and know you could sell each of these for 500 grand each. Yep. You'll make 300 grand minus GST, minus selling costs, minus capital gain. So you, you, you essentially can put 200 and a bit grand in and make 200 and a bit grand in yep. 15 months, Yes. right? That opportunity is no longer there anymore. So there was so many fantastic opportunities in the small scale. We bought, I think, 40 properties for clients in 2020 or 2019, I think it was, of that ilk Yep. where we knew exactly what you could buy it for, what you could develop it for, and what you could sell it for, Yeah. And making clients a monster, right? And then the opportunity shifted because build costs have gone through the roof. Most of that... Profit has come away. Yep. Uh buying costs have gone up. You don't know exactly what you're gonna buy it for. Selling's gone up, but not to the extent that build costs have gone up as well. Yep. So then it's about well, what are the different opportunities? People have made a million bucks. I've got a uh, mate of mine who bought a property in City Beach for three million bucks in twenty twenty. Yep. And sold it for four million bucks in twenty twenty one. Yep. Didn't do a, a thing to the property, right? Yep. So he made a million bucks. In city beach doing nothing yep. just living in the house right so people toil away for for a couple of years they're working their butt off to make that sort of money yes a absolutely yep. and then what covid did was provide this huge uplift in just owning an owner-occupied house yes yeah yeah everyone uh,
1: kind of realized what they had
0: yeah exactly right so where have people got their money back probably in the bottom quartile yep. people have finally got their money back i'd say in bold ellenbrook yanchep yep byford where you know for three and a half four years you and i were sitting there saying i'd never buy a property in these suburbs uh certainly not at this point in time because that whole area is knackered and i still see huge risk in oversupply in saturation of mortgaging possession risk over time especially as interest rates rise right yeah so i still wouldn't be buying there but what we can at least say is those people who are on key start and we said this a few weeks ago can get off there now because they have finally got 20 percent equity or somewhere near it right if you haven't Get off, get off Keystart and get onto your your next loan that might be at 4% rather than 6% wherever Keystart's at now, right? So, this is your opportunity. It's the whole point of Keystart. If you haven't gotten off there, this is your opportunity. So, those are the things that I guess the opportunities that have come throughout time and in that whole cycle, there's been huge opportunities in the commercial space. People have been making a lot of money buying and owning warehouses. Yep industrial has been crazy industrial has been nuts and because the cap rate the the yield that people are accepting to buy least investments yep uh, which is a whole big kettle of fish that has been explained before in the podcast has gone from six and a half down to 5%, right? Yep. That, that increases the value of these properties by 40% yeah. Um, yeah. in some cases. So when the cost of the location and the cost of build it hasn't changed much, but the value has gone through the roof, put an operator together, you find a site, you develop it. It's actually a lot more simple than doing a triplex, for example. Yep. There's way less issues there. Yep. Childcare has been huge opportunities over the years, becoming less of an opportunity now as cap rates start to increase. And operators yeah. start to become a bit saturated. And the one opportunity that's really been dead most of that time, but I think it's going to start coming back, is land development. Yep. A lot yeah, of land okay. sites are starting to come up, and also apartment sites are starting to come up. At some point in time, apartments costs and house and land package opportunities have to start meeting a market. Yep. This is the time where you recognize that and you get in. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, and that's only because people have been sitting on their hands for the last few years doing nothing with it.
1: Yeah, and so the the forward costs in terms of raw materials of for construction for steel and timber... Uh, I've started dropping away on international markets now. So does that mean we can probably look forward to so secure a site now on the idea that by the time you're approved and you're looking to cost the construction, which might be 6 or 12 months down the track, it's going to be less than it is now.
0: It has to start coming down. This is the issue though, Brendan. If I said to you, look, Brendan, every year your salary is 100 grand, right? Yep. But we sort of we still want you to do your job we want you to do your job a little bit less than we needed you to do last year. How about I pay you 70 grand this year? Yeah, yeah. You'll say, I don't think so, buddy. I'm worth 100 grand because I've been getting paid 100 grand. I'll take 95 though just because of the relationship we've got. Yeah, I don't want to lose my job. It's not worth stuffing around. You're never going to 70, Brendan. Uh, Yeah. Anytime soon. And that's where the market is with trades and all that in in Western Australia is that they've gone from making Let's talk about brickies. Ninety cents a brick, going up to three dollars something a brick. Yeah. For now, sure. uh, I've I've got a a builder of mine who just said that he's at two dollars. Sixty a brick. Yep, and lost the brickie at two twenty because he wanted to pay him two twenty. The brickie said no. He said, "We'll go stuff yourself." So at the end of the day, I see the market starting to come down, not to ninety cents. No, again, it's not going back to, but that, probably yep. ending up in the higher ones. Yep, which is still significantly higher than what we were paying back in twenty nineteen. Yeah. So you know we're going to look back at over a five year cycle, and it will still cost more to build a house than it did back in twenty nineteen. Yeah, absolutely.
1: Yep. Now I thought we might have a look at a few suburbs, just go around the compass of Perth Metro in that four-year period to see how people have gone from back then to, to now. Maybe just before we get into the, the stats, probably your most significant event within the property market in the last four years.
0: Most significant event well, has to have been COVID. Yeah, But I think there's a couple of things that also ran's were the Mortgage payments Review, the Royal Commission. Yes. Yep. When that happened is, what happened there is that the floor on assessment rates, which is what the banks assess your mortgage serviceability at, sat at 7.5% for a few years and yep. they were trying to cool the market down. When APRA allowed that to be released, the banks slowly dropped that to 5.5%. Yep. What that did, that differential there is about 25%, 30%. It artificially made everyone's serviceability and therefore ability to buy a property, 25 30% more than it was the the week before yep. and that's in my opinion what absolutely sent sydney and melbourne through the roof yep. It Perth, sent liquidity, liquidity through the roof exactly. and off they went to, to borrow the money. That yep. didn't affect Perth that much because we had no equity to buy a property with in the first yep. place. So yeah, we yeah. were sitting there get, having less of a hard time getting a loan, but not absolutely scaling like we did, like they did in Sydney and Melbourne who were already coming off good equity basis. We were absolutely cane, We couldn't even work off it. This is where my argument for continued growth in Perth is is that we haven't even come out of second gear yet, yep. which is surprising to a lot of people, but we haven't. The fundamentals prove that. What else is significant? Well, there's the building grants. That was a really, I guess, hindsight's fantastic, but has had massively negative impacts on our market. Yep. I think if the state grant didn't happen, we still would have had a really good jump in values throughout Perth. Uh, Still a great amount of construction happening, totally manageable. Yep. And the federal. Situation would have worked. The problem with that was that the feds and the state government weren't talking to each other. It yeah, was liberal absolutely. and labor yep. and within three days of each other have both announced the same program essentially yeah. when really one of them should have announced the program. The feds and the states should have probably just left that money to spend it somewhere else. Yeah, or, or
1: waited to see whether it was required further down the track.
0: Yeah, I think it's had a negative outcome on the Perth market yeah, because what it's done is it's structurally knackered the construction industry for the next few years. The yep. land industry, there's no land available because it's all been sucked up. Yep. Uh, and we're going to have this huge supply cliff that rental vacancies is going to continue to be a massive problem.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's And remember those headlines. Uh, there were some people that get, could get 70 to 75K free money mm. through grants, um, depending on which way they and qualified the, back the then.
0: The real issue with that was is that by the time they got to site, yep. two things have either happened one most of that 75 grand has been chewed up in increased costs yep. which they're getting nothing extra for so yeah, they yeah. really didn't get any benefit they were induced to go and build a home they didn't really think about building last year with yep. no actual benefit at the end of it Yep. and then secondly a lot of them are still sitting there with slabs haven't even had their walls built yeah, yet yeah. and this is two and a half years later
1: yeah we're still in that indigestion phase of trying to get product completed so people
0: are trapped yep. in this build phase that they probably wouldn't have gotten involved in and other people who haven't started building have just gone and bought an established owner-occupied house and made 15-20% in that Yeah,
1: job. Yeah. yeah. So should we have a look at a few of those stats? I've only got Go kind of a few suburbs that we've harped on about. Um would be remiss of us not to start with Baldivis. Mm-hmm. So median house price back in 2018. So we're talking December 2018 stats here from REWA because that's when we started the pod. That's when we first looked at those numbers. And uh, median house price back in that time was 400k in Baldivis, which is a little bit higher than I thought it w- would be, but um, currently sitting at 446k in the March quarter in the REWA stats. So 11.5% growth. The really interesting thing here is not turnover. A lot, is it? That's not huge. That's not you know headline grabbing and probably explains why the West hasn't got it on the front page. Yeah. But how's this turnover number? So there was 339 sales in that quarter back in December 2018. Last quarter in the most recent stats, as in March quarter, 1,070. Jesus. 300% increase in activity.
0: What it, what that is, is that's all those people who got stomped on these house and land package investment properties yep. who have lost all this money, finally getting their money back to where it was and gone, I'm getting out. Yep. And that's why values haven't grown that much because the seller is still very motivated to sell. Absolutely. right. And the buyers are getting a. And this is the thing. If you're buying a two, three-year-old house in Bull Divers, you're getting a better deal than someone who's building next door. Yeah,
1: absolutely. Yeah. And and you've got enough supply to go and choose from a few different finished products.
0: I remember one really pertinent thing you were saying back then and it always will stay with me, Brendan. And at the time, there was, you were saying that there was two years of stock yeah. on the market. In that, You explain that to us.
1: Yeah. yeah. Well, so we just looked at the listing stock and we were tracking it on a monthly basis. And admittedly, they weren't all finished houses. We weren't cutting out as much of the house and land package stuff as we could. But bottom line was there was about 600 houses on the market, 650 back then for, off the top of my head. We're just saying, look, there's two, three years worth of stock here, whichever way you look at it. And so... How is the market going to change rapidly and how does it get traction from a value point of view if as soon as that one house is sold, another one comes to the market, number one, and as soon as someone looks at that house to buy it, they can go down the road and offer a lower number and Mm. get the same product. And so the, the market was... Ebbing backwards. Um, and so now we can see that that changed over that four year cycle and that those sales rates have increased on a quarterly basis. But what I
0: think it shows as well is that this is where our argument against house and land packages continues to sustain itself in that people who have been sitting on these properties whilst others in other areas have made 25, 30, 40%. Look at Corbell up. Yep. Look at Balga. Look at Willagee. These are suburbs that a lot of people turn their nose up to, right? They've made 35, 40% in the last three yeah, years. Yeah. And Baldivers is 11% up in the last four years.
1: Yeah. So Ellenbrook, similar, up by 13.7% from $386,500 to $439,500 as a current uh, median house price in there. Again, similar in terms of transaction numbers, but Clearly, we've saved this all the time. Ellenbrook is a much smaller suburb than Beldivis. Had a similar oversupply problem in terms of having two years worth of stock. So December 18 quarter, there were 237 sales. That's up by 250% to 588 most recently. Byford's pretty similar. So volume there is up by 250% as well from 176 to 441 interesting that that median house price in there has only gone up by 8.5% so from 410 grand to 445 and I'll throw Northwest Corridor at you. Alchemist, three hundred ninety-nine thousand five hundred dollars was the median house price in December 2018, with only 104 sales for that quarter. And those sales have tripled to 336. And the median house price is up 13.26% at 452,500. Doesn't
0: you doesn't that show? I, I guess it's so vindicating. Right, it's so vindicating to see a four-year explanation here on what we've always said. And that these areas that get marketed the most that have the most activity, they're always the highest sales per week, yep. have had nearly the worst performance in the last four years across all four. And this is coming off the lowest bases. Yep. We've got to go back to Cotisloe as well. Well, Take let's a look go at to that. the other side. We, <laughs> and, and this was on the first episode we ever had... Yeah, we were My talking phrase, about what that that market was the doing. smart in there. money moved first. Yep. So
1: I I actually going back to this number. I thought the median house price was probably a little bit lower the, than this in cot back in December 2018, but it that the stats don't lie. Ree was saying it was two million and seventy five thousand dollars back then. It's now currently $2,850,000, and so that's a 37.4% increase in median house price for Cottesloe in that four-year period, and the volume's pretty interesting. It's quite steady. So the volume of sales back then compared to the volume of the sales now are pretty much the same. What happened is that the volume of sales last year blipped up by about 15% above normal Okay. Uh, so obviously there's an undersupply of stock there in terms of there's only so much supply within that Cottesloe location. but it's interesting that the blip in activity happened last year, but just remember that's kind of year to date numbers too for 2022.
0: In a place like Cottesloe, the volume of sales is probably not dictated by the demand, it's probably dictated no. by the amount of properties available. And to sell. there's a massive
1: undersupply in there at the minute, yeah.
0: I'm very well aware that when we sit here and compare the bottom of the market at the top of the market, it's easier to say and also disregards the fact that 90% of people can't afford Cottesloe. Yeah. Yeah. But again, I make the same point. There are so many other suburbs that are infill areas that are close to transport nodes that are older, less specky, less sexy, less marketing thrown at you. Like Willoughby, Coolballup, Morley, places around Carlisle, for example, um, that... A lot of people can afford, right? Yep. Even Beachborough. I remember looking at a property. Uh, we we bought a property in Beachborough for three hundred and two thousand dollars in twenty nineteen. Yep. It's now worth four fifty. Yeah, far um, out. And these are areas where the, the same price point, right? Yep. It, it's worth four fifty. It's worth it the same as Baldiwas. Yeah. People go? Oh, I wouldn't wouldn't live in Beachbra. Yeah. Well, why not? Yep. If you would have made a lot of money. Yeah, yeah, right? exactly.
1: Yep. Yeah, and I, really, we're just trying to get people thinking and, and have that conversation around those differences in terms of uh, outer suburbs of Perth, inner suburbs of Perth, and just get people thinking through their choices. The fundamentals um, and, and of and where why their affordability grows. Sits. Yeah, yeah.
0: Right? Property grows not because they're getting marketed all the time and they're on the front page there's a reason there's a lot of marketing because it's hard to sell these properties right the reason properties grow is because they're close to good amenity or they've had increases in amenity I should say over the time yeah and or increases in the affordability of people that live there yeah and that is because people come there for the amenities so good schools close to water close to the train stations or transport routes and close to good shopping centers yeah it doesn't change it hasn't changed right and You're right, it's such a great thing to look back over the last four years and reflect on that with actual data and information.
1: Just in terms of affordability going forward, we were talking about Keystart before and so there's an argument out there now that they should probably change their cap as in the state government sets a cap for the amount of money that um, eligibility people eligibility people are able to spend on a house and land package. So in my mind, that's holding... Back the market slightly, holding back people making oh, that next 100%, decision.
0: One hundred percent, not only the key start cap, but also the first home buyers stamp duty free yep. cap of four hundred and thirty thousand dollars. McGowan needs to look at this seriously yep. if he's going to actually impact. The rental market which is the core problem here yep. it's not it's not affordability in the sales market because we are the most affordable state in the country and we are as affordable as we were or actually more affordable than we were five yeah. years ago yeah. because yep. of wage increase and interest rates are the same wages yep. have increased prices have increased not as much as wages surprisingly to a lot of people yep. so where affordability is not a problem in terms of the sales market but rental ability is a problem which also affects our ability to get people to come in and do jobs yeah, immigration, absolutely. Right? so that immigration immigration place. until yep. you allow the rental market open up. You can't do that unless people leave the rental market and start providing yep. spots for people to rent. Yep. And how do you do that? You avail people, more people to buying. The easiest way to do that, especially when you can justify it given the median house price is back to the 500s. Is yep. Index, really. Yep. Index the first homeowner's rate of duty threshold to the median house price. Yep. Anyone under that can get their first home with no stand duty. Anyone yep. above that, well, you obviously don't need it. Yeah,
1: and that 4-year period shows that indexing it to the median house price of Perth would not be that scary because it was the median house price in December 18 was $500,000 and it's 527 now. So you're just getting the market to move mm. or the the parameters to move with the market.
0: Change yeah. it on a yearly basis i say so it's not changing too often so people can know what they're working with therefore it also wouldn't be a surprise to people uh, that have a few months to prepare for it we're going to say well look this is the amount it's going to be and it's going to be four months from now so it captures all transactions in the meantime four months from now the new threshold so if it goes down it's not surprising anyone you've got a few months to work with it yep right Uh, because that's the last story i'm sure your last you want to hear is oh the government changed the threshold this year down to $7,000. I bought it for this price, a little bit more, and now I've got to pay a couple of grand a stenti. Yep. So you give people time, you have a lag time in there, it allows people to understand the information. And then what it does is it opens up hundred thousand dollars worth of property. So everything that's from four thirty to five thirty or five fifty, wherever yep. you say the amount is at the time, that now people don't have to spend twenty thousand dollars of their cash yep. on 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 tax on tax. That's it's <laughs> an, it's a very inefficient tax. A good tax is one like cigarette tax that stops people smoking, keeps yep. them healthy, and also we don't have to pay so much for hospitals for them to be in hospital. Right? Yeah. That's an, that's called an efficient tax. This is a, the perfect example of an inefficient tax because what it does is it not only doesn't help anyone it slows down transactions and it increases the friction of transactions in the industry the more transactions you have firstly lifestyle people can move more freely yep therefore they will move to new jobs and things like that without the excuse of oh i can't leave my home but secondly it creates more work there's more work for valuers there's more work for mortgage brokers for the banks uh, everyone working there there's more yep. real estate agents building inspectors all these people get more work because there's more transactions yeah there's yeah. no downside to that yeah
1: and the tradies doing maintenance and that kind of stuff as people update things yeah exactly and, right yep yeah. so
0: so that and key start if that get if that's how you f- fix the issue right now the quickest yep you can't fix it by building more homes because it takes two years to build a home at the moment yeah the quickest way you mobilize people increase the stamp duty threshold, increase the key start threshold and start as they are doing, transforming the key start loan book more towards infill products. It must be within certain... Hundred meters, kilometer from a train station. Yeah,
1: one k is like ten minutes. Walk Whatever tops. it is, right? Yep. That's yep. the
0: walk score. If you're out of that, there's a very limited book, and you're paying this product. If yep. you're in that, you're getting a discount. Yep. And there's a much more money available for anyone looking to do that, and that will help with urban infill. It help with incentivizing apartment development. Yep. Everything opens up when you do that. Yeah,
1: and changes the product mix in Perth, and and well, which changes us do. from a single residential property market to a multi residential property market. Exactly yeah. right. Yep. Yeah. Good to get you uh, passionate and on your Fire. high horse. Yes. Um, that was really good. And so reflections in terms of, so what happens to to the pod from here? You know, Given that you're kind of saying that it was slightly unplanned and you just had a crack to begin with, mm. do you feel that there's more pressure to be more planned into the future in terms of what comes next or that you're relying on the listeners to make those su- suggestions? What Whoa, happens? Oh,
0: exactly. Look, our listenership grows every month. It, it always has, right? And it's a little bit seasonal. It drops off a little bit in... June, July, I think, just like the market does, which is really cool, yeah. and interesting as well. And then it picks up in spring, and it picks up in January, February when people are starting to plan for their lives. Yep, and they get out and about, and they they want information. So it is interesting like that, where we continually are having better listenership every single month. So it says we're doing the right thing. It is a bit exhausting. It's it takes up you know a good couple of hours every week of my time yep. doing it. But when you're passionate about something. You know, it's, it doesn't feel like work. I'm really lucky in that whilst it is a task, I'm the first person that gets to listen to this podcast yeah. <laughs> every week, right? And that's a really cool thing. Yep. And I listen to it again. I listen to it a number of times sometimes because I love the information that's coming out here. So, what, will there be an episode 400? Who knows, man? Like yep. at, at the end of the day, it will, I'll keep doing it as long as I've got the time, as long as people are listening, as long as people are requesting new information. The hardest thing I guess is is as you could imagine is getting busy professionals on here. Yep. Sometimes it's super easy, sometimes yeah, it took three years to get Paul Blackburn on here. That's yeah, a yeah. fact, right? Yep. And and then just the content, you know. We haven't missed Brendan a week.
1: Yeah, that is phenomenal. That is Through amazing. Christmas, New yep.
0: Year's, Easter, you know, it's a public holiday today. Yep. We haven't missed a week. Yep. In no, congratulations weeks. for that.
1: That is, that is absolutely amazing. Because when when I must admit, my I was skeptical that you keep that momentum up, and then just given the energy that it takes to drive that, uh, even just the brain power, and then obviously the the ideas from that brain power, but then getting the guests in as well, uh, it's been amazing. Congratulations. You, thank
0: man. you, Matt. But you know what? Every year we uh, we we set ourselves goals. I think, oh, I'm going to increase my networking. I'm going to I'm going to meet. 10 new people this year. I'm gonna I'm gonna take these people to coffee this year. This is an easy way to do it, right? Every year I probably through this podcast meet or catch up with, it's fifty-two new people every single year. And that's more than most people would allow themselves to do. It's not a coffee where I'm saying hey, can I grab you for buy your coffee? It's a real productive opportunity for the both of us to get something out of it and enjoy spending that time together to give as much as we can to the thousands of people that listen to this, but also learn from each other. Yeah,
1: yeah, no. It, so it's great. It, you know, it, congratulations again, mate. Uh, that you need to be commended for for starting it off, for getting the traction, uh, for going hard at the the people that you wanted on here, and for evolving it from some simple ideas around topics through to some really complicated guests in terms of you know having the planning minister on here and giving her the platform to explain her her policy and, and her vision. Is absolutely fantastic and, and giving that information to, to all the listeners out there has been really good.
0: Thank you, Brendan. Look, I don't even know what next episode is going to be, to be <laughs> honest. We haven't, I haven't even picked it yet. So that's how live it is. Yeah. Sometimes we'll get to a Thursday and a Friday and go, Jesus, I haven't actually uh, picked someone for next week. But somehow we've always been able to pull it together. So yep. thank you, everyone listening. It's been an amazing 200 episodes, so much support and you know, I'll do my best to, for it to keep going. Yep. Anyone got any suggestions on what it is you want to hear, who you want to hear it from? No one really says no to come on the podcast these days. So uh, it's more likely or not than we'll get them. Yep. So yeah, put your suggestions in guys like you always do. Ask questions and we'll continue to answer them. Excellent. Cheers, mate. Well done. Thanks a lot, Brendan. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Perth Property Show.